Welcome to the Remember the Light podcast, where I, Sherelle, unravel the story behind the healers, shamans, energy workers, and other light workers who help us to remember who we truly are. So this episode is kind of an experiment for me, as it is in English. And if you've been following me for a while, you might know that ever since I started my first blog, The Scent of Cinnamon, in 2015, I've switched from English to Dutch, from Dutch to English quite a couple of times. But recently I took the decision to switch to English again and stick to it. I'm still translating my website to English, but my online presence is largely in English now, and it feels so good. Especially with the trip I took to Canada this month, I was able to share what I did with everyone I met. I didn't feel left out or behind, as I I felt many times before while traveling. I remember two years ago when I was traveling um, through the US, I found it such a pity that my entire blog was in Dutch. So I switched to English soon after I came back, but didn't stick to it. Mainly because people kept telling me to do it in Dutch, and I listened to them instead of to myself, and really always listen to yourself, not to other people. This is like the most important thing in life. But still, even though I know this, and I wanted to go in English, it was still a hard decision to to take now and to to decide to stick to that because I just love the Dutch language. I just love it. I remember last year when I was in the US again and I got hospitalized, which is an intense story for another time. Um, I was on the phone with my parents and because of my fever, I wasn't able to speak Dutch anymore. And I felt a little panic scrambling for my words and like someone just stopped me from talking. It was a very strange experience. But on top of that, I was sick of American English. I couldn't stand hearing it anymore. I felt like, couldn't people speak just a little more eloquently? And I remember telling my dad, or for as far as I could, Um, who was about to fly over the big pond, which I found totally unnecessary, but well, that's how parents are, at least mine. And I remember telling him, bring me Toon Telligen. And Toon Telligen is a Dutch author who I've actually just looked up how to describe. And so according to Wikipedia, he is a Dutch writer, poet and physician known for children's books, especially those featuring anthropomorphized animals, particularly those about an ant and a scroll, which means um, he writes stories about animals that act as humans, short stories, which are indeed suitable for kids, but it's more than suitable for adults. There tend to be There tend to be very deep life lessons behind the stories and they are incredibly funny, at least I think so, and relatable. So yes, my dad brought me one of his Don't Elegance books to read to me. So luckily I soon got over hating American English, an episode which probably had to do with me hating being poked and questioned by doctors all day, literally all day. 
again, a story for another time. So, yeah, but I still had this tendencies when I came back last year uh, from the hospital and from the States to switch to English once more. And again, I didn't listen to myself. I didn't I didn't listen to others. But this summer, I was working with a wonderful coach who had gone through the exact same experience of people telling her not to go English. And she explained why she had uh, switched to English after all. And what we did, we did a deep meditation uh, for me to connect to the soul of my business. Um, who turned out not to be able to speak at all um, as he didn't know Dutch and he was super confused. So that's when uh, it made that made it easier for me to switch to English in my communications. But then um, there was this podcast, which is of course called the Lichtwerkers Podcast, which is Dutch for the Lightworkers Podcast. And what to do with that? Because I'm okay with not being fluent in English with my Insta stories and my lies and whatnot. But the podcast sounded like a bigger deal. Also, because I knew that when I switched to English, a number of potential Dutch guests that I would love to interview in the future, maybe sometime, um, would fall away. Because not everyone is prepared to be interviewed in English, of course. But I knew as well that it opened up the possibility to have a a lot more international guests on the show in the future too. So I still wasn't sure what to do um, with the podcast when I was about to interview Sasha, who is um, the guest of this episode. But I didn't mention that to him. I just let him choose if he wanted to do the interview in English or Dutch. And he wanted to do the interview in English because his business is in English as well. And so, of course, I could have chosen to do this whole intro still in Dutch and whatnot. But why? Why wouldn't this be just a step out of my comfort zone I needed for now? So this episode will be in English and a couple more to come will be in English as well. And if I don't like it after those couple couple episodes, then I will just switch back to Dutch Um, But I wanted to at least try this for a little bit. So here we are. And as I mentioned in this episode, I will be interviewing Sasha Post, who is a nature guide, wilderness leader, life coach and philosopher. And Sasha is the founder of Nature of Wonder, a year-long journey into the wild which helps you awaken to the ancient wisdom of living with nature and her seasons. It consists of four nature retreats in the Netherlands and a 10-day journey into the Swedish wilderness. I met Sasha a couple months ago during a ceremony and when I first read about Nature of Wonder, it sounded like something that I wanted to attend. But with the first retreat taking place in September, I didn't expect I could make it as my initial plan was to travel through Canada for a couple weeks that month, which you can hear more about in episode 20. Um, that traveling didn't happen, even though I did go to Canada for a week to get certified in um, life and success coaching, NLP, hypnotherapy, and a couple more things. And so when Sasha posted on Instagram, he had just one spot left for the autumn retreat of Nature of Wonder, I knew what to do. So about six weeks ago, I was attending this beautiful retreat in the forests of the Dutch Veluwe, staying in a cabin with a small group of wonderful souls. And it was just such an incredible experience that I asked Sasha to come on the show 
She will notice when you listen to this episode that she has a lot of knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom he shares in Nature of Wonder to teach you, but mainly to inspire you to apply what resonates with you. So I'll stop talking shortly, but if Nature of Wonder already sounds like something you might be interested in, take a peek at natureofwonder.com. Also, before we listen to the interview, I wanted to mention that I'm offering the unique opportunity to have a one-off session with me. Usually, I only open up spots for my light alignment programs. So, if you've been wanting to work with me but didn't feel ready for a whole program, this is for you. Even more so if you've been feeling held back and following your heart, as we'll look at what limiting beliefs you hold and how you can transform these beliefs into more helpful beliefs that propel you forward into realizing your dream. So if a one-off session sounds like something you might be interested in, book a free, yes, a free online tea talk with me to discover if this is for you. Go to rememberthelight.com slash tea, as in T-E-A, and we'll chat soon. That is rememberthelight.com slash tea. Without further ado, here is my inspiring interview with Sasha Post. Hi, Sasha. Welcome to the Lichtwerkers podcast. Hey, how are you? Very well. So I'd always like to start with asking, who are you and what do you do? So my name is Sasha. I am a nature guide, uh, a coach, and also a philosopher. And I combine these things by taking people into nature and to experience what it means to be part of nature and also what it means to be in alignment with nature and your own nature within you. Okay, that sounds so interesting and I know how interesting it is because I attended one of your Nature of Wonder retreats. But could you explain to the listener what it means to you or what it could mean to them to be aligned to nature? Well, it means that you stop to consider yourself as separate from nature like we have in our society uh, sort of moved away from the idea that we are an intrinsic part of nature and that nature moves through us which is of course a bit silly because if you think of where we come from and the way we evolved on this planet we are as much nature as everything else around us so What I try to do is when you when you start to perceive yourself as nature, once again you start to feel that you are moved by nature as well. So the seasons that are happening in nature every single year, the natural cycles are happening in our own lives as well. Whether we are in nature or not, we are still very much influenced by the the changes of weather and the changes of season and the different um, emotional landscapes that brings as well. So what I try to do is that I take people into nature every single season to really connect to the quality of that season and also to the quality of that season in their own lives. So the quality of autumn is completely different from the quality of summer, for instance. And therefore, I think it's really important that we go at least once in our lives through this cycle very intentionally um, before we move on and, 
yeah, reapply the wisdom of nature in our own lives. Yes, I think this is so interesting because it is true. You know, if you look at just one single day, you can all you can already experience all the four seasons in this one day. I mean, you wake up in the morning, it could be um, considered to be spring, then it gets summer in the afternoon, evening becomes autumn, and then um, at night we go into winter. So there's all these different aspects of life in which we can recognize uh, the seasons and. So, and I also know that from Chinese medicine, um, all the seasons are considered to be in the body all the time, as well as in Ayurvedic, um, Ayurvedic medicine. And that one of the seasons can get out of balance if you're focused too much on a different season, or if you eat too much foods that are maybe more associated to a different season. And could you explain um, how, uh, what is the quality of all the different seasons? Yes, so um, in a nutshell, because it's quite a complicated subject and I've studied a long time to really understand this, like the few traditions that you already named are um, perfect exemplars of, of seasonal wisdom that comes from ancient civilizations. So the knowledge that I um, use a lot is the knowledge from the I Ching, which is a Chinese philosophy that predates the, or that is actually the origin of the Taoist tradition and where the ancient Chinese sages have observed nature very carefully and start to notice patterns throughout the years and then wrote this down into a beautiful um, series of texts which is now the I Ching which is a book uh, an ancient book that people can consult if they feel stuck in their lives. And the adaptation of this uh, is still relevant to this day because we still face the same problems as people two to three thousand years ago. We haven't changed that much. So the qualities of the season, um, uh, the qualities of the seasons are simply put uh, the qualities of moving inward and outward every single year. So this is the basic movement of nature and therefore also the basic, basic movement in ourselves. Um, the movement outward starts in early spring when, when we basically uh, can observe in nature that everything starts to blossom, starts to grow again and then quite quickly after that will start to blossom as well. So we are in spring in the manifesting energy, in the outward energy. And uh, this is the time in your life where you can start to work on creating things, on really moving outward back into uh, yeah, the sort of new growth, the new life, and then as we move slowly into summer, things will start to mature. Things will start to take, take their definite shape. And uh, the elements in your life will also feel more steady and you'll feel more confident. Uh, whereas spring, you can still feel quite uh, fragile almost because it's almost like uh, a race to the top, like some plants don't make it and others 
uh, overrule. So there is a sort of competition in spring that we don't really find in summer anymore because there is more of a rest. People have found their place, so to speak. And then when we move into autumn, we will start to see that uh, it is time. This is sort of the 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 later adulthood in life as well. So like these seasons are also connected to uh, the phases in our own lives. So when we move into late adulthood in um, or maturity, I think is also a nice word in autumn, um, we will start to think beyond our own wishes and desires and the movement will start to go back in. So the external movement ends and we are invited to start reflecting on our own life and to see what we have accomplished, to see what uh, what things we, in, in the last stages of our life, we also need to let go of. So autumn is a time where you will start to consolidate your experiences and to reflect on what you have accomplished and what you have learned especially um, the things that you do not want in your life anymore and then you from from that wisdom and from that knowledge you will start to let go of things just like in nature you will let go of things that you don't need anymore and then when we move into winter we come back to our essence so in a way, this is where death and birth meet. Um, it's The winter is almost a silence within two lives, so to speak. So first, we come back to our essence. Like if you look in nature, you see that everything is barren and back to the nakedness uh, of what they once were. Uh, and then in winter, it's also the time to seek out the silence and to find the rest and the peace within and to also accept that things have gone the way they did and now it's time to let everything go and then in this letting go of everything you will also plant new seeds of intention not necessary to allow them to grow immediately but to rest and dream and to ponder and to be in a more um, yeah, in a more of an internal world where you, you're you more internally exploring your world as well and you will start to slowly feel what might uh, grow again in spring given everything that you've learned in this full cycle. So the winter is also one of the most important seasons that we seem to neglect in our society because we tend to es try to escape winter because we're so focused as a society on the manifesting energy on the competitive energy on trying to make sure that we have our place in the world and that we're successful that we forget that this um this period of of the silent death almost of of the pure silence that the winter brings if we don't truly embrace that every season every cycle um, yeah we forget that we forget to stay connected to our essence and from that essence we can actually grow and create beautiful things in this world
Yes, thank you for sharing this so briefly and uh, accessible. Well, I think this gives a really good overview of what is the quality and the essence of all of the seasons. And I suppose that you yourself try to live um, in alignment with the seasons as much as you can. Yes. Um, but could you explain what is the value of um, living your life in tune with the seasons? I think the biggest value that you will perceive if you start to harmonize yourself with the cycles in nature and of course it's also completely dependent on where you live so the cycles will be different if you live uh, in a tropical climate but uh, in a temperate climate where I live um, there are very distinct seasons and when I start to harmonize myself with these seasons I will more gracefully flow with the flow of life itself so that means that um, things will go when you move when you go with the flow so to speak uh, consciously so not just uh, just completely surrendering like a, like a dead fish but to consciously and purposefully uh, go with the flow and the harmony of nature I notice in my own life that um, things go easier um, everything has its time and place in the year so I don't uh, try to fight with my own mind so to speak so there's less conflict less internal conflict so for example if I try to uh, be very successful in the winter and create all kinds of wonderful things I will encounter a lot of resistance because it's not the time of the year for it it's a time to stay in, it's a time to be with your loved ones, it's a time to really um, enjoy the silence and to enjoy the, the purity of nature as well in that season where everything is just resting basically. So you're also invited to rest and because I know that I am invited to rest, I can relax into this and by relaxing into it uh, there is less struggle and there is less expectation of myself to be something that I cannot be in that moment. And I know that the time for creative manifestation will come again. So I can also really appreciate the, the moment itself. So I appreciate every single quality itself in that moment. So yeah, uh, very simply put... Uh, I think the biggest value in my life is that uh, I flow th through life with ease and grace. Not always, of course. There are still uh, little conflicts happening, but I can more easily surrender and stay present to my internal struggles without actually trying to uh, to engage in the conflict or to fight against the flow of life, so to speak. Yes, and as you just uh, mentioned, um, in our society we tend to ignore the winter season um, because we're so focused on manifesting and the summer season basically. Um, how does that um, work for you? I mean, do you sometimes bump into how society works when you try to live uh, in tune with nature yourself? Yes, I think all the time that's also the reason why I... Uh, live a simple life in nature uh, as much as I can um, I think 
I, I myself am uh, a person that's quite uh, sensitive to whatever is happening around me, which means that uh, I think that's also one of the biggest reasons why I enjoy being in nature so much, because there is not a lot of uh, human, human distractions, so to speak. Uh, which I sometimes find quite challenging to uh, to be and to work in the pace of of our, uh, for example, of city life, so to speak. Um, I find. Well, sorry, what was the question again? Well, yeah. if you sometimes encounter difficulties uh, while living in tune with nature um, in our society. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah, the biggest the biggest problem that I face is that we really compartmentalize nature. So, uh, based on the fact that we think that we're separate from nature, like you can also see that uh, we try to have nature as small pockets, and then all of the rest we can just uh, exploit so to speak, and culture, basically. Whereas I would love to see more of a merging of nature and culture. Even on the in the countryside, there are these uh, very dead, almost very dead landscapes that have no biodiversity because we have decided that this land is for agriculture and that land is for forest. Whereas um, nature, basically, if we would actually try to live more in harmony with nature and see it more as a part of our daily life, um, nature would have, in my view, a bigger role in all the parts in our life. So it's not just that we, uh, we live in a city and we occasionally go to the forest to recharge, but that the forest is actually in a in a beautiful way part of the city so that nature is more integrated into our daily life and still um, I think it is difficult at times to in this country at least that we lack uh, that we have so little wild nature first of all but that nature is so compartmentalized and so um, restricted almost uh, from our day-to-day life and that we really need to seek it out whereas just simply being in nature can be so healing on its own regardless of uh, regardless of where you are in life or what you understand about nature just simply being with nature can already give you a lot of clarity on the things in your life that you feel stuck in so yeah I would like what I what I sometimes really feel sad about is that we have given nature such a restricted uh, space in our lives and I would love to see more of a um, yeah like more of a wild nature in our daily life as well so that our gardens become more diverse and that there's agriculture becomes more diverse and that all the landscapes, even the cities 
have these natural wild elements in them so that we can always feel connected to our mother. Yes, and I think this wild element in the city can can already be the dandelion growing from the pavement, where it's not supposed to grow according to society. Exactly. Um, and just by connecting to the single dandelion, you can tune back into what nature is and that you're part of nature yourself. Yes. And yeah, and I think it can go way beyond uh, like sort of embracing the fact that weeds grow or then then the line is of course a very medicinal plant but that weeds grow between the pavement but that there is actually uh, an active push for for wilderness in the city and that we start to stop paving everything and restricting nature from growing on these small patches only to allow nature more into allow more green into our lives so to speak yeah and i think that's also the basic premise of uh, permaculture and um, the the tendency of people that are uh, diving more into healing this human earth relationship Um, and i think that's what you're trying to say as well it is important to to heal this relationship that we currently have with nature um Uh, instead of actually almost suppressing it indeed indeed Uh like um, if we want to continue to live on this planet in harmony with nature it means that we have to start to perceive ourselves as nature and as a important balance balance uh, yeah we we should start to see it as an important balancing act where we balance our own desires and our own wishes with the desires of the whole with the desires of the whole ecosystem of this planet Um, and indeed i think permaculture is a beautiful example of that where um, we start to use our intelligence as a species to design systems that are self-perpetuating so that there that um, can provide us with the necessary resources that we need with the food and with the shelter and with uh, everything that we need to live a simple life in harmony with nature and at the same time only increase biodiversity and only increase the aliveness of this planet and then if we really start to build these systems all over the place so that everywhere you look that there is a sort of cultivated wilderness we can really start to see a more sustainable way of the human being on this planet uh, as a part of nature and as a, uh, yeah, almost as a beautiful influence, creating more beauty instead of a destructive influence on this planet. Yeah, yes, definitely. And, well, you've just explained about living in tune with the seasons and healing the human-earth relationship, but... Um, have you always been disconnected to nature or is this something you've learned throughout the years and what caused you to to start living in tune with nature more and more? I think I always had a love for nature um, as a child as well but I wouldn't say that I was so much... um, yeah, how do you say it? Some some kids are constantly um, 
in the forest and want to know every little plant and every little species. I wasn't like that. Um, it only came later to me that I wanted to understand nature, but there was always a very simple connection to nature and I just enjoyed being on my own uh, in a forest or in the heather or somewhere where I could simply be away from other human beings, so to speak. I was quite a solitary child. So I think nature, to me, I really loved its pure presence. I mean, there wasn't a lot of distraction. A tree simply is a tree. A plant simply is a plant, and everything grows, and everything is what it is without any filters or masks, so to speak. So I really enjoyed that quality of nature from a young age onwards. Mm. I think throughout my 20s, I really sought out nature. So um, I lived in sustainable communities, but I also traveled a lot. I lived in the jungle uh, on my own for a while. And I really uh, tried to discover what it takes to stay alive with as little means as possible. So I think from there I started to come forth a passion of um, learning the practical skills as well that allow you to survive in nature and allow you to live in harmony with the wilderness. Mm. And uh, I'm slowly starting to merge into a new chapter in my life where I'm not just interested in uh, living in the wild anymore, but also to, in my day-to-day -day life, starting to live in a more harmonious way where gardening is actually something uh, that is starting to excite me as well, whereas before I would only uh, gather my foods for a while. And so, yeah, I think the, the love for nature develops more and more into a, uh, a way into a way where I as a human being play a more inclusive role, whereas before I think I was slightly ashamed of the fact that I was a human being and that I had such a, such a destructive influence on this planet uh, as a species, so to speak. And that I would love to see just the wilderness take over again. Whereas now I'm starting to feel more uh, happy with being a human being and with the creativity that brings and with the consciousness that brings. Because it allows me to uh, create more beauty uh, and more harmony on this planet. Not just uh, be a consuming power that just takes everything and doesn't leave anything for the rest so I think my uh, my love for nature is always evolving but um, I think its roots are in the desire to live on my own in the wilderness I think that really sparked my imagination and from there on I started to learn more about the plants and about the trees and about the birds and the animals and uh, the more I learn, the more I have a enormous respect of the complexity of this system. 
and also the fragility of this system, how little it takes for a system, an ecosystem to collapse. Um, so I'm starting to consider more and more my role in it, whereas before I was just a visitor. Um, there is more of a desire to become an active, positive influence in my natural environment, uh, in my day-to-day -day life as well. Yeah, so if I understand you correctly, um, you just, your interest in nature developed um, like slowly, basically. Mm -hmm. And when you, um, at some point, you lived in the jungle for a little while by yourself, and that is what sparked the interest of what it would be like to live in tune of nature more and more? Yeah, I think um, I think there were a few events in my life. So I live, also lived in a sustainable, pretty much self-reliant community in a forest in England. Um, I think that was also an important time in my life where I really learned uh, the practical skills um, needed to live a self-reliant life uh, in nature and there also for example what I did there as well was uh, go on a trip with it uh, to beautiful and experienced uh, woman who lived according to the stone age and gave this amazing course where they uh, brought you back to your roots and where you really had to live in in the forest as our ancestors did so um, I've done many of these things and in the jungle as well I really tried to live in a very simple and uh, ancient way these things um, the direct experience of these things and also the hardship that that it comes with because it's not always easy to do this um, really shaped my love and my respect for nature I think and what called you in the first place to seek out these sustainable communities and to learn these earth skills I think it called me <laughs> it called you yeah, yeah I, I don't actually know um, I think my imagination my imagination to live uh, with uh, fire every day, to live um, experiencing the... Because there I lived in a yurt to experience the, the cold um, and the heat of summer and the cold of winter and like everything in between. Um, to live in a more connected way I think uh, felt really exciting and very inspiring and then uh, living with uh, with people that feel, felt very excited about that as well um, was such a big inspiration as well because um, they there were uh, systems put in place in that community where we got to share our hardship as well so our our little victories but our hardship as well because I remember times where I was standing in the pouring rain for days planting hedgerows planting trees in very thick clay which was just yeah 
there were miserable times as well where I felt cold and wet and um, digging in this er digging into this earth that was almost impossible or uh, the first time where I had to um, uh, skin a deer for instance was very challenging for me as well um, but because everyone was going through the same uh, experiences and there was a daily gathering around the fire where we could share our uh, our inner world that made the biggest difference in uh, feeling supported and also feeling continuing to stay excited to learn these these skills because um, our and we have we live in such a luxurious and protected world these days not everyone of course but at least we in the west do and to uh, become familiar again with the way that our ancestors lived um, yeah like we we have lost some of our spine almost and I think to cultivate that spine again or that backbone is uh, yeah I think it's important for everyone because it gives you strength in your daily life as well whether you want to live close to nature or not if you have the courage to face these um, yeah to face these hardships I mean it, it, it reverberates into your daily life as well uh, no matter no matter what so yeah I think the um, I think the desire was always there and at some point the opportunity presented itself to live there so I think it found me in that way. Yes, and if I I know that you you traveled a lot and you you said you've lived in um, multiple of these sustainable communities. Um, so have you do you have do you feel that as soon as you um, responded to this first call of or to this first opportunity that presented itself that from there on because you were so you listened to what was there for you that um, the next opportunity presented itself directly after that so that you came into this this separate yeah not really separate but in this flow of your own life yeah i think the state of surrender is a state that i find very beautiful so like some people call it a flow state, other people call it like a state of surrender, but it basically means that um, I listen to the gentle uh, hints that life gives. So if you pay close attention to the subtle uh, uh, invitations that you receive all the time, um, which I try to do always uh, and follow the heart so to speak or follow the enthusiasm or the excitement um, I've, yeah I've noticed that uh, life never moves in the way that I expect it to or life never I never receive the experiences that I anticipated on but uh, yeah there is a there's a natural order of things or natural beauty that starts to show itself if I do not get in the way too much with my own 
thoughts and my own desires and my own plans for the future, etc. So, yeah, all of these uh, experiences that have shaped me happened quite spontaneously and one rolled indeed into the next because in every um, place that I lived, I learned to know people and then I followed my excitement and these people and into their... Uh, yeah into their lives so like from England I moved into Scotland and in Scotland I lived in the artist community which was completely different but at the same time very much connected to nature in a more aesthetic way in a more um, yeah uh, in a way where art was the way to be with nature which is again another aspect which I really enjoyed to learn more about and then the my jungle experiences were also just uh, accidental because I fell in love with someone that uh, came from that part of the world and I went out to seek her out and then uh, that relationship ended in a few days but then I decided well I'm here anyway so I might as well enjoy this uh, this beautiful nature here and that resulted in the end in being in the jungle for more than a year so um, yeah it never goes the way I planned or anticipated but in the end all of these experiences have shaped me uh, through a state of surrender yeah I can't, I can't almost imagine what it would be like to live in the jungle for a whole year I mean, that's so different from the daily life where most of us are accustomed to Yes. So yes. yeah, <laughs> so I definitely believe that such experiences have shaped, um, yeah, who you are now. And um, let's see which which there were so many hooks that I could <laughs> ask questions about. So let me see which which way we're going to take. Because um, if people might hear you talk, they will they might think, well, he knows so much about nature and he is just he probably has grown up with being a part of nature which you just explained you weren't really because you weren't one of these kids that wanted to know all about which plants were which and which animals were which and i think that for people it's important to know or for the listener that you um start not started but in, i think you started your uh, adulthood as a student in film sciences which is um, an academic uh, study yes. which is a road many of us take and I think that your story really shows that even though your path might have started um, with a step on the beaten path basically um, it it took a whole different course because you started to follow what um, what lighted you up basically yes yeah I think um <laughs> Growing up, I was quite a uh, sort of mathy kind of geeky kind of kid. So um, I, my high school, I did full on chemistry and physics and math, and uh, I loved computers. And I went even went to pre university college where I learned everything about astronomy because I really it's funny like as a teenager I was very much inspired and and, 
enthusiastic about the universe and about the way it worked. So um, for my parents, it, it came as a massive surprise that after going to this college, they really figured, oh, he's going to study astronomy and he's going to do a PhD and whatever. And then it really surprised them that from like doing such a technical, uh, yeah, sort of um, physics-oriented high school period, I went on to study film sciences because there was another passion that developed in my teenage years, and that was uh, making films. And that basically uh, started because one of my best friends... Um, had an interest in this and his his father his father was a cameraman so we had the opportunity to use his equipment so, and in a time this was basically in a time where there weren't the uh, simple filmmaking tools yet I mean like this equipment was still very expensive so uh, we started to make these short films and I really enjoyed doing that and um the reason why I didn't want to pursue an academic career in astronomy, for instance, is because I couldn't really connect to the people on that university. Like, they were not my kind of people. Um, yeah, just a little bit too uh, sort of socially awkward, I'd say. Um, and at the time, like, my dad was almost... Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was definitely disappointed, almost, because he basically thought that, like, I had a beautiful life ahead of me with lots of money and lots of uh, prestige, so to speak. And then I went on to study a, a study that a lot of people choose because they don't know else what to choose, and it's just, they think, oh, nice, I can watch some movies. Sounds good. Um, and from there on, like, I think, quite quickly I really enjoyed like yeah the visual culture and I really enjoyed learning more about film and about um, what it means to tell a story with images um, and from there on my uh, yeah from going into that study like suddenly like this this whole other universe opened up for me and it was the universe of, of philosophy because film sciences, in a way, uses a lot of philosophical concepts to explain uh, the nature of the world and also the nature of the world through film, because film basically is a representation of our culture as well um, and how it changes throughout time. So learning, to, learning more about philosophy ulti ultimately resulted in doing a research master's in uh, applied philosophy and cultural analysis um, which is, was again like a step I completely didn't anticipate but felt very good at the time and I think um, the these things are now slowly starting to come together because after I mean what do you do with a research masters in philosophy I mean like there's two two things you can do you can either continue to study and do a PhD or you can, I don't know, find a job somewhere, but, it, like, it's not a very applied thing. So, like, it's not really, you can, you have a certain analytical capability and you can learn 
you have learned how to analyze things and how to look at problems but at the same time it's not a very it's not like an MBA or something where you can then move into business so I never really felt the urge to work uh, uh, to continue to work in academia and I also didn't feel the urge to um, start a business career like it's just it wasn't something that resonated with me so I just started to travel um, and I think only now like I'm 31 now only now these different influences in my life are starting to come together in the work that I do because the philosophy and the desire to learn about tradition and the desire to learn to understand deeply about to understand deeply all the different uh, philosophical thoughts that people have had about nature and about our role in nature and um, in general the the harmony of life itself um, and I, I slowly start to apply in my programs as well so there is a there's a very practical element uh, in what I do whereas like it's, you're just simply with nature and you learn how to make a fire and stuff like that but at the same time there is a deeper understanding that's almost philosophical and uh, although it's quite a loaded term some people could say spiritual as well because I apply a lot of Eastern philosophy as well um, where it's more about the meaning of your life in relationship to nature and the meaning of living a beautiful life especially in relationship to nature so I definitely went uh, sort of on the beaten path but at the same time there was always a desire to uh, yeah, to create my own create my own life so I never really felt much for following someone else's rules yeah, and I think that's a very great thing to do I know for myself I started out as a, as a law student which I detested and then I went to study media and entertainment and people would ask me why why are you going to study this what do you want to become and I, I would just answer well I don't know but this is fun and <laughs> then I went on to do my masters in media innovation and I kept repeating the same answer because I really didn't know because I, but I just kept following what I what was fun and then now now I'm a coach and people ask me why did you study media what did you study and they're like, oh, but this is so different from where you started out from. And I say no, because I'm an online coach and I create all this online content and it fits so fits in so perfectly with where I started, even though at the time I couldn't never have known how it how all the pieces would fit into each other. That's true. I think um, if you try to understand where your life is going to, like, you're it's a futile. Um, endeavor because in the end um, if you follow your excitement then like all of the puzzle pieces will fit and all of the skills that you acquire coming from uh, from your enthusiasm simply because you feel enthusiastic about it and you want to learn and it excites you it will it will find its place by itself and it might just take years before it actually finds its place and um, but uh, a certain trust or a certain surrender is very important because there is no way that you can predict your future. But if you 
um, follow your enthusiasm at least you know that right now in this moment you're having uh, the greatest time that you can have and um, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't uh, like at least perceive the future and to set intentions but as soon as you set an intention it's very good to release it again or to um, consciously let go of the desired outcome so that even though that you set your course um, you allow uh, the why to fill in so um, oh no sorry I say that wrong so like you, you set the why so you set your intention you set your course like this is where uh, I feel ex this is what I feel excited about and then you allow life to take care of the how and the how is basically uh, surrendered to so how am I going to get there I don't know let's just see let's just follow my excitement and in, at the same time uh, trust that all of the things that uh, all of the experiences I accumulate and all of the skills that I acquire will in the end contribute to the intention that I set yeah definitely and for you, this all uh, resulted in a nature of wonder, which if I can call it that way, is a nature school. Yeah. In which you provide basically four uh, recurring retreats every year, all themed around one of the seasons. And like you just explained, you uh, teach these practical skills like making a fire or using a compass. But then mixed into these retreats, you have all these uh, philosophical wisdoms from Celtic traditions and um, we, we talked about Japanese wabi-sabi because I had the opportunity to attend uh, the first retreat uh, in this school which was which was amazing I really enjoyed it so much can you tell uh, the listeners a bit more about what is nature of wonder and what is your intention with mixing the philosophy of all these traditions with practical earth skills hmm. Yeah, I think, first of all, Nature of Wonder is, um, uh, like I said before, a personal discovery where you intentionally experience a full cycle in a year uh, through all the seasons uh, in nature. So we come together every single season for four days in a beautiful forest, in a beautiful forest cabin, where we uh, live... Uh, quite a simple simple life and at the same time so like the camper the cabin is fired by a wood stove and is basically in the middle of the forest and there is no other uh, houses or roads nearby it's basically quite isolated um, and the invitation is to turn off your phone and to uh, really take this time to connect to a more uh, yeah, to usually to a slower rhythm than you're used to uh, because the rhythm of nature is usually quite a bit slower than the rhythm of uh, the, the human world, so to speak. And so we come together and uh, through philosophical and contemplative exercises and also through meditation, um, I really invite people to uh, start to perceive how nature moves through them and it sounds still quite vague um, but uh, with every 
uh, with every season, certain philosophical concepts um, are relevant. So, for example, you mentioned uh, the philosophical concept of wabi-sabi, which is a Japanese uh, philosophy of decay and the beauty of the impermanent. So, uh, if you understand how to really appreciate the passing uh, nature of everything and the fact that everything is impermanent and you start to see the beauty in the fact that things are forever decaying and growing old and, and wearing and tearing and so to speak you can start to really come to terms with the beauty of autumn as well and the beauty of autumn in your own life um, so I connect these uh, philosophical concepts to specific moments in the year specific seasons as well and then I give people the opportunity to reflect on their life and to see how they can uh, set proper intentions to really uh, harmonize themselves with the natural cycles. And at the same time, the practical skills are really there to embody these embody this experiences as well because I think um, we tend to be so much in our heads, in our minds, uh, in our culture that is really good to uh, viscerally with all of your senses experience nature as well and uh, just from a very practical point of view I think these are skills that everyone should have uh, it's what makes us human to know to find our way and to navigate nature it makes us human to start fires I mean like if we weren't able to start fires in the past we wouldn't have survived we wouldn't have made it this far so these sort of uh, very basic essential skills I think are skills that uh, we seem to have forgotten to include in our basic education and I think these are skills that are extremely important to have that can be very relevant uh, in your own life uh, at times I mean like it's nice when you're at a party and you know how uh, a good fire should be maintained, for instance. Or uh, you can actually feel confident. Actually, it is my biggest aim that after a year of this, you feel confident to go out into nature on your own and to go on a trip. Because I really want people to lose their fear because a lot of people I notice have fear to be in nature on their own. I really want people to lose their fear because if you are in nature for a few days, uh, undisturbed, something shifts in you and you uh, yeah, you usually get insights that you wouldn't have if you're always in the human world, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, like these practical skills are also there to to help you, allow you to feel confident to... Uh, go on one of these journeys on your own as well at some point to do what I have done maybe not so extreme because I really went all the way out of enthusiasm to really see how far I could take it and how far I could minimize uh, the stuff that I take and like the food that I eat so to speak but um, even if you uh, prepare well you take the right equipment like you can have a very comfortable time in nature and at the same time really connect to uh, yeah our roots our 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 source
And I think this is extremely important for everyone, at least once in your life. Yes, and I think the listener has gotten a taste of all the wisdom and eloquence that you put into these uh, retreats by listening to this interview with you. And if they feel like they want more of this wisdom and um, what is the best place to find out more about you? Uh, where can they find more information on Nature of Wonder? And uh, what else uh, do you offer on, on the internet? Yes, quite a lot actually. Um, so the, if you want to learn more about the program, the website is natureofwonder.com. Um, if you want to stay in the loop, uh, the best thing to do is to follow me on Facebook and Instagram because I'm quite active on these social media and I also share a lot of content uh, for free on these channels. I also have a personal website uh, sashapost.com where you can find sort of an accumulation of everything that I do and there is a blog on there as well. I occasionally write an article about the things that inspire me. and I also publish monthly guided meditations on SoundCloud, um, which you'll also find uh, announcements for on my uh, on my social media and on my website. And these guided meditations um, are very beautiful twelve-minute introductions into what is happening in nature in that month and how you what you can learn from that and also give some quite practical advice actually of the way you should engage with the world in that month based on the wisdom of the I Ching and based on the wisdom of uh, observing nature myself as well so these are very nice uh, yeah short introductions into my work and if that inspires you um, I occasionally give Uh, nature connection workshops as well Uh, so you can get to uh, have a little taste of like what I do and then if that excites you um, I warmly invite you to step into uh, the nature of wonder year program and um, I offer the possibility for people just to start in which which whichever season they want and also to follow their own to check uh, to how do you say that? Yeah, to follow their own pace. Some people do it in two years because a commitment of four retreats in one year is a bit too much. Um, so yeah, like the 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 invitation is really there to um, at least try this once, try it for one season, and see how it feels, and take it from there, and. Uh, yeah I noticed that like the the most important season is coming up so I really hope uh, that a lot of people will take the opportunity to uh, go on a a winter retreat because it's in my uh, in my view it's one of the most important retreats of all of all of the four Yes, and the Nature of Wonders retreats are a true recommender. I think I attended the first retreat and I loved it, as well as are the online nature meditations that Sasha offers. Um, I just did a September one 
last week and it was very healing and a very well reminder of all that we went through uh, during the first retreat and so i would really encourage you to check this all out and of course the links to this will all be in the show notes um, I know I'm wrapping up, but I have two more questions, Sasha. And the first one was just sparked when you said that you were quite active on social media, which you are, but I also feel like you you managed to find a, a, a good balance in that. Can you talk a little bit more about it, how it is for you to be so connected uh, with nature while also wanting to be on social media to share your message? Mm. Yeah, I struggled a lot with that uh, because for a long time I had a sort of uh, negative image of social media because like, I felt that uh, in general like we should look a little bit less on our screens and a little bit more out into the world. Uh, but at the same time, I I came to terms with that myself by realizing that uh, that it is a given reality that we um, are best connected on these platforms, at least for now. And um, I started to use it as a tool to invite people to go out into nature more uh, and to also, yeah, to to give little tips and tricks that can allow you to intentionally go out into nature and to experience what I experience or to discover new ways of looking at the world or new ways of looking at your own life. Um, yeah, so I, on social media, I am still, it's still something that is continuously developing. I even have a social media coach because I uh, it doesn't come that naturally for me. Um, but at the same time, um, at the same time, I'm starting to enjoy more and more the. I'm starting to have the realization that people find value in the things that I share, and that also encourage me encourages me to keep going so um, if I would live in my own little safe bubble in my own comfort zone I probably wouldn't be so much uh, active on social media because I just enjoy uh, being in nature and just uh, experiencing and taking it all for myself so to speak but um, yeah I'm learning more and more that uh, this is a way for me to contribute and to add value to people's lives in a very simple and a very direct way because you get to see a little bit of the way I live my life uh, from day to day. Um, and that again can be uh, yeah, an inspiration, I guess, like if you uh, have a desire to live um, more connected to nature, I think it could be nice to you uh yeah to stay in the loop and to stay connected in that way even even if you are not interested in uh, following your treat or program like i really try to use the social media to add uh, value 
to people's lives if they want to connect more to nature. Yes, and I totally agree that that's what it's for right now. And that social media, even though it's not always ideal to be on it, it is one way to reach people and to share your message and to inspire others and really add value to each other's lives. Um, And I know that for me, I can feel pretty ungrounded after a while on social media and sharing content. But I know also that for me, I can't do, I can not not do it. It's so, for me, it's just so important to get the message out there. Um, And right now, social media is actually really a gift of the universe for us to do so. Um, Yes, it's a very direct way of communicating with each other and to reach uh, reach each other in a very visual and a very uh, yeah, direct way uh, whereas before um, I mean like certain things are just better conveyed through through audio and through video and not necessarily through text so I do yeah, I, I agree with you it's a gift and it's also a gift that we should use wisely so I invite everybody to um, not just consume, but to also create and to share your own wisdom so that we can all learn from each other. Yes, exactly. My coach always says, um, create over consume. That's exactly what you're saying right now. And I think that's that's just so important also to stay sane and to not lose yourself in the comparative trap, comparison trap. Um, Yeah. And so the last question that I have is, well, this is the Lightworkers podcast, and I'm always curious to know uh, what my interviewees understand um, by Lightworker. What does it mean to you? And what does it mean to you to be a Lightworker yourself? Um, Yes, Lightworker. I have heard of this term before. It's not something I immediately associate myself with, but at the same time, I can... Uh, see that it is my biggest desire to bring the light of nature into people's lives so um, to have a positive influence in a, in a world that's quite saturated and dominated with negative news at the moment um, and quite uh, big challenges that we're facing and quite a lot of uncertainty whether we're going to be here in a hundred years um, so yeah for me like I, I definitely feel the urgency to establish a new relationship to nature um, and for me like this is my way to contribute to that and my way to uh, create meaning in a in a world that's quite uh, unstable in the, at the moment. So uh, I believe in the in the in positive change in the in the power of intention as well. So if we <clears throat> focus on what we can achieve and what we can accomplish, and I do believe that, like connecting more deeply to nature automatically will change your behavior Um, just because you feel more connected and more one with your environment it's it's harder to do things that you know that are destructive I mean like we're not perfect we 
it's, it is in the nature of life to destroy in order to create but there is a balance there and I think we've lost it somehow and um, simply by connecting deeply to nature and by feeling one with nature I think you can really start to change your your destructive behaviors as well so in that sense I feel like uh, the work that I do does bring light into people's lives um, because it gives them not just the practical tools to uh, feel more self-reliant and feel more confident in life but also to understand more deeply their place in this world and uh, with that also comes more of a positive influence in in the bigger whole I think and will contribute to yeah to discovering a new way of living in harmony with this planet without destroying it Thank you, Sasha, and thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Nice, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. As always, all the links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. Also, I've a couple of magical events coming up, including a miracle walk in the forest and a group healing and hypnosis. This will give you the clarity and confidence to follow your heart and will take place in a beautiful yoga studio in Amsterdam Oost. So if you're interested in that, take a peek at my Instagram, sherelle.light, that is C-H-A-R-E-L-L-E dot light, um, which will be, well, you can find a link to this in the show notes as well. And on my Instagram, I share the latest events coming up. If you feel you're ready to follow your heart and step into your true self, don't forget to book a free tea talk with me and we'll look at what you can do to start embodying your true self. Go to rememberthelight.com slash tea as in T-E-A. That is rememberthelight.com slash tea.